verse 1 to 10. That's on page 1164. And then we'll read um, from verse 9, 6 to 15. So 2 Corinthians 8, 1 to 10. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say that I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do his work, but also to desire to do it. Now let's go to 2 Corinthians 9. It's on the same page, verse 6 to 15. To this, sorry, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of this surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift.
It really is such a privilege to be here this morning with you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, when somebody asks you what you have done on the weekend, hopefully you'll be able to tell them that you got some financial advice from God. And uh, my prayer is that God us in this little mini-series uh, about far more than money, though, that he would teach, rebuke, correct, and train us in righteousness, so that when it comes to money, we here at St. Matt's might be generous near and far. That means we might be complete and equipped for every good work. So why don't you join me again? Let's pray and ask that God would do this in our hearts and in our community. Let's pray. Generous Father, speak to us now about your Son, who was rich but became poor for us. Teach us, reprove us, correct us, train us in righteousness so that we might be good stewards of all the wealth you've entrusted to us here at St. Matt's, so that we might be complete and equipped for every good work. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So greed, it comes naturally. But where does generosity come from? I never had to teach greed to my kids. Picture coming up on the screen, I think. Yeah, they're pretty cute, aren't they? They're cute, but sometimes they are basically seagulls. <laughs> Everything is mine, 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 mine. Greed, it comes naturally. It grows so easily. You know, my kids are only just starting to see advertisements. But every single day, the average adult, you, are assaulted by between four and 10,000 ads. Random jingles and images piling desires upon desires to fan the flames of our greedy hearts. Did somebody say? Menu log. Wash the cat. Treat yourself. I don't care. There we go. I love it. That's right. It's, it says something about me, at least, and maybe that person back there, that all my ads are food related. I wonder what your ads, what do your ads say about you? You know, my kids haven't had to give much thought yet to the global economy and whether greed is good or whether there might be something bad about the colonial rapacious plundering of impoverished peoples forcing an estimated 45 million people today into forced labor. Greed comes naturally, it grows so easily, and once it grows to the global scale, greed never has enough. America first. Russia trying to take what it wants. Australia, one of the richest nations that has ever been, endlessly anxious about making budgets. Is it any wonder that Jesus speaks more about money, more about greed and generosity than he does about sex, violence, or even heaven and hell? In a world where greed comes naturally, where does global generosity come from? It's an important question for us here at St. Matt's as we consider our place in God's global generosity. Where does generosity come from? And it was an important question for the Apostle Paul as he considered his Corinthian problem. You know, Paul had proclaimed Jesus all around the known world. I think we've got a map coming up. It was, he proclaimed the gospel in Achaia, which is where the Corinthians come from, in Asia, where the Ephesians lived, and in Macedonia, 
You can see it there. That's where the Thessalonians live, but also in our main series where the Philippians live. So when you hear Macedonians, think Philippians. But now, decades on, proclaiming Jesus all around this part of the world, Paul has heard that way back in Jerusalem, the poor Jewish believers, who he calls the saints, they are doing it tougher than we in our wealth can imagine. These Jewish Christians were already hard-pressed by persecution, and now famine has led to widespread poverty. So Paul's come up with a plan. He wants to take up a collection to gather goods from the nations, from the non-Jewish believers, for the Jewish believers. Now, not only would this meet the Jewish need, but it would prove to the Jews and to everyone else that the faith of the non-Jewish believers in the Jewish Messiah was a genuine faith a generous faith. And at first, the Corinthians were eager to give. They pledged themselves to doing something, to serving the poor in Jerusalem. But over time, the Corinthians lost interest in their global generosity. They forgot the poor in Jerusalem and all about their pledge. Which brings us to our passage this morning, where Paul solves his Corinthian problem by stirring them up to global generosity. Where answer not only to the question of where global generosity comes from, but find a source of global generosity that not only makes pledges, but fulfills them. So feel free to use your outlines, and do keep your Bibles open to 2 Corinthians 8, where we see that the source of global generosity isn't a guilt trip, but a grace trip. Not by guilt, but by grace. Verse 1. I think it's coming up on the screen as well. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that was given among the churches of Macedonia. You know, Paul's a good missionary. He's always got a story to share. And he wants to tell these Corinthians what happened when the grace of God was given among the churches of Macedonia. Many years ago, there was a conference in Cambridge comparing different religions. Experts from around the world were debating what set Christianity apart until a scholar named C.S. Lewis entered the room. He heard them debating, and he said, that's easy. It's grace. Grace is what sets Christianity apart. Grace, undeserved, unmerited, unearned generosity. Grace is not us being good enough for God, climbing up to heaven with all of our good deeds on a Buddhist eightfold path or in submission to Allah's will. No, grace is our God coming down spending himself in his love for us, giving himself to us, even though we have taken and taken and taken again. So Paul begins this second letter to the Corinthians with grace to you. He boasts that he has behaved by the grace of God. And he appeals to the Corinthians not to receive the grace of God in vain. Because, and this is one of the, Paul's reasons for writing uh, the whole book of 2 Corinthians, it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. The whole in this letter to the Corinthians is just bursting with grace, just as God promised to bless all nations, just as God so loved the world that he sent his only son. So Paul's vision for grace is global, that grace might extend to reach more and more people who are less reached, and so increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. 
And that's why Paul will finish the whole letter with this famous and revolutionary prayer. When he asks that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ might be with you all. It's a revolutionary prayer, a dangerous prayer, because, well, what, what happens when God's grace shows up? Brothers and sisters, has God's grace shown up in your lives? Has God's grace been at work amongst you here at St. Matt's? How would you know if God's grace has been at work? Well, look again at verse 1, where we see just what happens when God's grace was given amongst the Macedonians. Because by grace, even those beggars begged to give globally. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that's been given among the churches of Macedonia for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy, extreme poverty have... Have what? What does severe affliction plus abundant joy plus extreme poverty equal? And how did joy get in the middle of that equation? Well, when the grace of God shows up, joy abounds. And this crazy equation, do you see what it equals? Look again. It equals a wealth of generosity. I think it's on the next slide. Overflowed in a wealth of generosity. Now that is some crazy math. The Macedonians think the Philippians, they were poor. They were persecuted. They were facing a massive test of affliction. And when God's grace showed up, it didn't take them out of their affliction. It didn't remove their poverty. There was no beefing up of their bank account. In fact, it was quite the opposite. God's grace poured into the Macedonians whose joy burst the bounds of their affliction and poverty and an abundance of joy overflowed, literally abounded. It's the same word in Greek. An abundance of joy abounded in a wealth of generosity. A wealth of generosity because, just look at verse 3, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord. These Macedonians, they gave beyond their means, more than they could afford. You know, I think we like the idea of generosity, but only if it won't cost too much. I'm not, I wonder when was the last time that you gave something that really cost you? You know, I'm not talking about sliding your spare change into the Macca's donation box or rounding your purchase up to the nearest dollar at Woolies or Coles. When was the last time that you gave something that cost you what you want? You know, maybe because you're going to help out at a mission uh, with St. Matt's, you won't even be able to go on that holiday with your family or mates. Maybe because you invest your money in mission, you have to cancel that subscription to Netflix, Spotify, Disney+, Stan, Hulu, Amazon, HelloFresh, or something. Or maybe you had to give up your daily coffee. It used to be three bucks a day. That's a thousand bucks a year. Now it's more. Now maybe you will say, as my wife would, Beth, coffee is more than a want. Coffee is a need. <laughs> but did you see those Macedonians? They are giving so much that it's costing them not only what they want, even what they need. They are, verse 3, giving beyond their means. 
Reminds me of a story in the Gospels when Jesus stopped to watch that poor widow place two coins in the temple treasury. We are told that those two coins that she put in was everything she had to live on. What is that widow going to eat that night? Now she can't afford what she needs, let alone what she wants. Although that's not entirely true, is it? Because both the Macedonians and the widow, they both did exactly what they wanted to do. Because when God's grace shows up, what they wanted was to give extravagantly, generously, beyond their means. Verse 4 tells us just how much they wanted to give. Begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. In a severe test of affliction, in the midst of extreme poverty, these Macedonian beggars are begging to give. It puts a whole new spin on take my money. I have a friend from America who told me the history of his church during the Great Depression, right extreme poverty before World War II. They're in a small church, smaller than this church here at St. Matt's. And they would meet during the middle of the week to run a prayer meeting. Everyone would meet together. And every week, the poor believers would gather to pray and encourage each other. One day, someone stood up in the prayer meeting and they said, life is hard for us. But how much harder would it be if we didn't have business? And so this small church, in the middle of extreme poverty, decided to give more than they could afford to give, and they sent out their first missionary in the middle of the Great Depression. Have you thought about the limits of your generosity? I find it easier to be generous to those who are close to me, family, friends, church, maybe strangers that I can see. And next week, we are going to be considering our responsibility to those who are close to us. But these Macedonians, they were begging to give globally, not to their local church where they could take part in some of the benefits, maybe, not to their own ethnic tribe, but to the relief of the poor Jewish Christians who they had never met far away in Jerusalem. Wow, that is global generosity. And as Paul says in verse 5, that is not what he expected. And this, not but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God, you know, when God's grace is given, when God's grace grips the hearts of his people, they don't just give their money or their time or their expertise or whatever. They give themselves first to the Lord and then to his apostles. So have you given yourself to the Lord Jesus? Have you taken your dreams and your gifts and your plans and your priorities and have you given them to the one who's worthy of them? The missionary martyr to China, a guy called Peter Torgerson, he was only 18 years old when he sat in a service just like this, and he was gripped by God's grace. At the end of the service, a collection was taken up, and Peter emptied his wallet and everything in it into the plate, and he added a small note, which he wrote, and my life. Because when God's grace shows up, by grace, 
even beggar, beg to give globally. Grace is the source of global generosity. And Paul gets so excited about what's going on in Macedonia that he calls the Corinthians to join the party. Come on, Corinthians. Verse 6. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. The Corinthians, they excelled. And the word here for excelled is the same word that Paul's already used for the Macedonians' abundance of joy and overflowing generosity. Because the Corinthians, they excelled. They abounded. They overflowed in so many gifts. Like us here at St. Matt's, they had faith. They knew Jesus, and they would live forever in him. They were reached, and they were richly resourced. They had speech. I mean, they had Andy and Tom, uh, I mean, Paul. Uh, the apostle, and they had, you know, Rod, and they had Bible study leaders, and they had musicians like Miguel. They had knowledge. They had small groups, and they had conferences they could go to. They had earnestness. They even had the love of the apostle. And Paul didn't even mention money, which we know many of them had in wealthy Corinth. Yet the Corinthians excelled in everything so they should also excel in this grace, this gift that makes all the other gifts work. Generosity. Generosity. Because gifts are forgiving. Near and far, local and global, that's why God has given us our gifts. God has given you your gifts, not for hoarding or storing up for yourself or even ourself. No, to excel in everything, to have every gift except this gift, this grace of generosity, would be to waste everything. Now, if it was me trying to solve this Corinthian problem, I would want to resort to a guilt trip, probably, or at the very least, I want to start making commands. Turn up the money, guys. But it's a good thing that Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, was writing this. Verse 8, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. Paul isn't giving commands. He isn't guilt-tripping the Corinthians. He wants their love to prove itself genuine as he compares them with the earnestness of others. By grace, even beggars beg to give. Come on, Corinthians. Global generosity doesn't come from guilt. It comes from grace. And Corinthians, you know So Paul composes one of the greatest memory verses of all time. And it's not only another example of grace, it is the example of grace. And it is grace itself. Look at verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Oh, he was rich. All him and through him and for him. Every mountain and every molecule, every star in the sky and every shell in the sea belong to Jesus. But nothing 
could compare with what he had even before anything was made. For he always was in very nature God, equal with the Father who loved him and the Holy Spirit who bound their love together in perfect glory for all eternity past. He was rich. Yet for your sake, for the sake of all who would call upon him and his name from all nations in the greatest act of global generosity, yet for your sake, he became poor. Our Lord left the heights of heaven to be born in a stable. He borrowed a boat to preach from, a donkey to ride on, a room for his last supper, a tomb for his body. And on that cross, our Lord Jesus spent himself, crucified on a cross of wood, though he made the hill on which it stood. For your sake, he became poor, so poor, we weren't even his friends. And he spent himself for us, so that you, by his poverty, might be rich, sharing his glory. If the grace of our Lord Jesus doesn't make you want to give yourself away, then nothing will. But Paul's not done. And what he does next is just not what I expected. Look at verse 9 again. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter... I give my judgment. This benefits you? What? Paul doesn't tell the Corinthians how awesome it would be for those poor Jewish believers to get some money. No, he tells the Corinthians that global generosity would be good for them. This benefits you. Global generosity is good for you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that thing Jesus said when he said it's more blessed to give than receive? That's what the Macedonians believed. We skipped over it, but it's there back in verse 4. You see it there? The Macedonians were begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Come on, Paul. Please let me give. Don't rob me of this favor. In Greek, the word for favor is grace. It's the same word. Do you see global generosity as a favor, a privilege, a grace? These Macedonians are grace junkies. Grace was given to them, and now they are begging for more, begging Paul for a part in the grace party, begging Paul to give them the privilege of giving globally. Paul says, in this matter, I give my judgment. This benefits you. And then he spends the rest of the chapter, rest of chapter 8 and chapter 9, explaining why generosity would be so good for the Corinthians. And I want to show you just two reasons why global generosity is so good. Two reasons. True prosperity and global thanksgiving. First, global generosity is good for the Corinthians and for us because Global generosity is true prosperity. Jump with me down to 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. The point is this. Whoever 
Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency at all, you may abound in every good work. Resources are not scarce in God's economy. In God's economy, we don't need to grasp at zero-sum games or live greed's empty lives that there's no one else looking out for me. No, in God's economy, you don't need to feel inadequate, like you have nothing to give. In God's economy, you are not the only one looking out for you. No, in God's economy, where Macedonian beggars beg to give and widows give up all their coins, where our rich Lord Jesus became so poor so that we might be rich. In God's economy, there's always enough for every good work. God is able to give all grace at all all times so that you may abound. Don't you want to abound? To live a life abounding in every good work? Don't you want to reap bountifully? Then sow bountifully and give your gifts away. And not so that you can have more to keep. I mean, that's the problem with the so-called prosperity gospel. Give your money to Reverend Dollar, and God will make you happy and wealthy and prosperous. Had to use my American accent for that one. Give your money so that you can get, because getting is where the fun's at. What a lie. Giving. Giving is where the good stuff is. We know that. Don't you love it when you get the just the right gift for your family or friend? Just the joy just erupt on their face? One of my favorite things about Christmas, coming very soon, uh, is helping Josie and Micah buy presents for my wife, Kate. Does mom really want that lollipop or that ugly stuffed toy? No! And they wrap it up. Christmas morning, I get to watch pure joy unfold as they give their gift to mom, as they learn the secret that giving is where the good stuff is. No, we don't give to get. We, we will get to give some more. God loves to give so givers can keep on giving because giving is true prosperity. Look how Paul puts it in verse 11. You will be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way. God is the gift who keeps on giving so that you can keep on giving. Now, I've got a video um, that's come up in a moment uh, at a member, from a member of um, Wild Street AM Church, which I just think captures someone. It's a, someone who's just been captured by this vision of grace and wants to just be enriched to keep on giving. So hopefully this video will work. There we go. Uh, to the... 我们讲他们去比利时传道的事情的时候 
不能像他们一样的是去传福音，但是呢，我也想为这个他们传福音。这样，所以说他想呃，这个呃，从呃资金上呃捐呃呃捐助他们。我说好啊，我的女儿看怎么来呃做这件事情，他就拿出了他一个呃呃准备去捐助。嗯，呃，我呢也拿出了同。对这个好啊和吹沙，呃，这种传福音的行为进行了捐助。呃、我们我们和福音去做神的工作，所以我特。It makes us so happy. Don't you want to be like that? Giving is good for you. True prosperity is found in the God who loves to give, so that you can keep on giving. Now, to be very clear, that does not mean you will necessarily get a lot in this life. In this life, you might be a two-coin widow, more of a poor Macedonian than a wealthy Corinthian, sweating it out at a not-so-fancy gym, taking money out of your retirement savings. But even then, you will get to. And this promise that true prosperity lies in giving, that sooner or later God gives cheerful givers more to give, is a promise secured by the very resurrection of our Lord Jesus from the dead to life everlasting. Because even if you sow your last breath with Jesus, you will reap His bounty of heavenly reward and share His life forever. The great missionary and martyr Jim Elliot he once wrote this: "He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep." Gain what he cannot lose. Sometimes you'll be giving out of poverty, and the price will be very high, but the price will always be worth it. Finally, giving is good for the Corinthians and for us because global generosity will succeed in its goal of global thanksgiving. Look with me at verse eleven, where we see the result of global generosity. Verse eleven: You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ. And the generosity of your contribution for them, and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you, because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. And there's a lot in there, but do you see how confident Paul is that if the Corinthians give generously, not only will the needs of the poor saints be met. Not only will a bond of love be created between Jewish believers longing for and praying for the Gentile believers, but this gift will succeed. It will overflow in many thanksgivings to God. And that was Paul's purpose statement that we saw way back in chapter four, when he said, "It's all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God." 
Paul says, come on, Corinthians, give, and the globe will overflow with thanksgiving. And I love that for Paul, it's all interconnected. Giving is good for the Corinthians, it's good for the saints, it's good for God, it's good for all others. And did you see that there in verse 13? Somehow, this particular contribution, it wasn't just for the poor saints, not just for them, but for all others. Paul has a truly global vision, a butterfly effect of a gift that kind of keeps on giving from then till today, till the world is full of thanksgiving to God for his inexpressible gifts. Paul had a Corinthian problem, but he took them on a grace trip. He showed them that by grace, even beggars beg to give because global generosity is good for them. True prosperity and good for all others. Global thanksgiving. And if you're wondering, the Corinthians came to the party. They realized what they're missing out on. They dug deep. They kept their pledge. And global thanksgiving has erupted across the world. What about us? Obviously, we're not, you know, first century Corinthians. Paul isn't asking us to take up a collection uh, to keep a pledge for the poor Jews in Jerusalem. No, we are 21st century Australians meeting in one of the wealthiest suburbs in the world. Some of us here have a lot, others only very little. But don't we all want a part in global generosity? St. Matt, don't you want a part in true prosperity and global well, uh, I don't think you guys take up a weekly collection here. Uh, we don't do it at Wall Street. You don't pass a, a, a you know, plate around. So you just can't empty your wallet into the bag uh, with a note and my life. But maybe you're new today and you would like to um, find out more about the grace of Jesus and the life that he gives. Uh, we would love for you to speak with Andy uh, and find out more about Jesus because he's just so radically different and amazing. Um, or to give your life to Jesus this morning. Maybe you've just been convinced by what he's done. You want to turn away from living selfishly for yourself and turn to the one who was rich but became so poor so that you might be truly rich. If that's the case, don't put it off. I, Andy, anyone here would love to pray with you. Or maybe you're already a Christian, uh, but you've been challenged today that you've been living more like the Corinthians than the Macedonians. And you want a part of the grace party. You want to give something that costs you. You want to experience what Jesus meant when he said it's more blessed to give than receive. Or maybe you're just like the Macedonians and you are begging for more of the grace of giving globally. I want to share just two opportunities which we have right here today as a part of St. Matt's community. Here's the first. Now, I'm not entirely sure about how St. Matt's works and everything, but um, Wild Street, I'm pretty sure all together with St. Matt's, gives 8% of all of its wealth annually, globally, um, to mission partners. I've got a picture coming up of the mission partners here from St. Matt's, I think. Here we go. There's Howard and Trisha in Ban uh, Belgium, Candace down in Melbourne, um, the Ackland's about to head off to Indonesia, and this is your special um, partners. What are their names? I've got them here somewhere. Dan and Frida, that Ong, yeah, and they're in Indonesia, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, so every year uh, we give 8% uh, 
of everything we have to our mission partners for the spread of the message of Jesus around the world. Uh, and you can find out more by talking to Andy or anyone who's been here longer um, than I have at St. Matt's, which is everyone, basically. Um, uh, and another 2% of our annual wealth goes to Greenfields Ministries uh, right here in Sydney. So places even in Sydney where uh, they just don't have as much as we do. So if you would like to start giving, you could start giving or you could give more to join Wild Tree, to join St. Matt's, to join us in sending our wealth abroad and giving generously. Now, if you're wondering how to do that, because we just don't talk about money very much, we haven't maybe done a great job of helping you know how to be generous and join us in this. Um, there's nothing on the um, sheet. There's a little box at the back, which you may have noticed, but like, I don't know if that's used even. Uh, you can find details if you'd like to give on the website is probably the best way. Um, or you could, if you want, stuff some money in the box. Uh, but we, we made it hard to give money, and the reason is because we want to go double over backwards in a culture that's so suspicious about money to show that we are being above board. But at the same time, that can inhibit us in our generosity. So don't miss out on the opportunity. Um, The website's the best way to do it. Give globally so that through our missionaries, people would hear about Jesus. They grow in Jesus, and there really might be global thanksgiving. Now, the second opportunity I want to bring to your attention, I think I've got a slide for it as well, uh, is Anglican Aid and Compassion. Um, uh, these two organizations are great organizations that help us to leverage our wealth here for the poor all around the world. Uh, we've been involved... Uh, at least at Wall Street, and I'm pretty sure you guys here as well at Bot, um, Botany, um, in both of these, uh, Anglican Aid in reaching overseas and helping the poor in a range of different places, and Compassion, especially helping um, uh, very poor children. Uh, these are cr Christian organizations which not only make sure the poor have their earthly needs met, but they also get to hear of Jesus and his irresistible grace as that happens. Now, I'm sure Andy would love to speak with you about either of these opportunities, um, about how you could invest in caring for the poor through either of these organizations. These are just two opportunities, and I reckon over morning tea, after the service, you could share a whole lot more together. St. Matt's, just don't miss the chance to get on board with God's global generosity. And I do want to give you some homework for next week. Uh, I get to come back, and I, I'm going to ask you about your homework. I'd love you to revisit your budget this week. Have a look at it. Have a look at your budget and see if you yourself, while you look at your budget, would be convinced that you are globally generous. And next week, uh, this will prepare you as we come back to consider wealth right here at St. Matt's. So spend time reflecting this week on everything God has taught us. That by grace, even beggars beg to give globally. Come on, Corinthians, you know grace. Because by grace, giving globally is good for us. It is true prosperity, and it will erupt in global thanksgiving to the glory of God.